Welcome to Locked on Grizzlies podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King. For this show, the Grizzlies had a loss last night, as that was probably to be expected against one of the best teams in the league. We're going to talk about that loss for a minute. Really, just in general terms, we're going to talk about the Grizzlies by the numbers and look at some stats and what we can take away from the Grizzlies over the past month and why they've not been as good as they were in January. All that and more on this episode of Locked on Grizzlies. Pull up, jump shot. Your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Grizzlies played the Clippers last night in a late matchup on the West Coast, lose to game 124-97, to but that game was over in the first quarter, unfortunately. The Grizzlies did exactly what they did a few times previously uh, in, the last, in the previous two games against the Kings and the Lakers. Got out to a big, big, uh, let the team get out to a big lead. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, like I said on the past two podcasts, maybe more that, and on Twitter and everywhere else, you can't just let teams get out to a big lead like that. It just, it just, it just doesn't work. I mean, you can never overcome those, those deficits. Cause if you look again, the Grizzlies lose 124 97. That's the final, the first quarter, 14 to 40. There was one point it was 35 to nine, which is like, that's tough. That's difficult. I mean, the Grizzlies had no offense. The Grizzlies were doing not a whole lot of anything, not really pushing the ball. They were not getting into what they, you know, they're really kind of sets. And so, you know, the, and, the, and the Clippers defense, don't, don't get me wrong, the Clippers defense was absolutely smothering. I mean, they were making the Grizzlies just look silly at times. I mean, un, unfortunately, like they just they just didn't have it. And then early on, um, and we saw the lineup, the starting lineup change of uh, Brandon Clark just in for Jaron Jackson Jr., which I said all along is not going to work. I mean, you cannot have Jaren, or Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, and Jonas Valanciunas all out there together. It just won't work. I mean, there's just not enough shooting and spacing out there. And then you put in uh, Gorgie uh, Jang for Clark, which I thought was odd at the time because you why would you you should have sub you should have sub Jang for uh, for Jonas, but uh, Clark looked clearly. That was like four minutes into the game, five minutes of the game. Clark, uh, he got hurt last night, which makes it even worse uh, in terms of what the Grizzlies were trying to do the rest of the game. Just, you know, you don't want to see that at all. Unfortunately, you're already you're already down Jaron Jackson Jr. The last thing you need to be down uh, is Brandon Clark. Comes out, he has just hips, hip soreness. So I would assume they'll probably sit him out on, on, on Wednesday, just to, I guess depending on how he feels. He is day-to-day, so uh, you know I would assume they would send him out because I don't think you're going to win that game either, so I would just probably rest him at that point and just see what you can do. But last night's game was is a game against a team that is 38-18. and 18. You know, like They're uh, really 37-19. They were really good, 30-38-19 now, but 
That's a team that's a really good team. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the league. Kawhi Leonard is awesome. I mean, they had their full complement of players for the first time in a long time. Paul George was there. Patrick Beverly was able to play. I think it was kept saying that was the first time they played together maybe all season or very, one of the very few times they their entire roster had been available all season. And so against a team that had, was on a three-game losing streak of their own, I mean, just a recipe for disaster. And they come out and they put a hurt on the Grizzlies. And the Grizzlies could do nothing about it. I mean, they they literally could do nothing about it. Forty to fourteen in the first quarter is just something you just can't you just can't do. You can never overcome those amount of deficits because you look at the rest of the game. 23-26 in the second quarter, 29-24 in the third in the Grizzlies' favor, and then 34-31 in the in the fourth quarter, which by the way was just a huge wash anyway because you started the quarter with uh, Marco and Dusty Hannas and uh, John Conchar. So like. That's a huge wash anyway, but at the same time, most of the, you know, the second quarter and the third quarter when they're really actually playing, those games were, were, those quarters were tight. I mean, the Grizzlies won the third quarter, 29-24, and so it's a situation that happens, has happened every single time. The Grizzlies starters are just not playing well. They're just not hitting shots, and that's, and we're going to talk about that more in the second and the third segment of the show. We're going to go kind of deeper into the numbers and see exactly what is going on with this Grizzlies offense and how they get back on track. But as far as this game, it was the same, 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 uh, same story, different game. The Grizzlies just couldn't hit shots. Uh, John Morant was the only one making them. You know, Brandon Clark goes out early. You, you just, you can't, you know, you can't win games like that. And quite frankly, I don't even understand why John Conchar has 17 minutes in this game. You know, John Conchar is in the game when the game is really probably. I wouldn't say in the balance. I mean, you're not. You're never winning that game after the first quarter, but. You have a regular regular starters in the in the rotation. Like John Conchar is not going to help you. I, 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 John Conchar, that, that's not the answer. That's just not. He was eleventh guy in the end of the rotation, and just you know whatever you're searching for, that's just not it. I mean, it, I think your your solution comes through the starting lineup. But last night, everybody was terrible. Nobody was really that great. John Rant was probably your best player on the on the court. Sixteen points. Uh, and, and no, uh, excuse me, 16 points and one assist. I mean, you know, probably behind him was, was, was Gorgie Jane. He had 10 rebounds and 14 points, a double, double. he's had a, uh, two double doubles in a row, but, uh, you know, it's just an overall bad game for the Grizzlies. And again, this doesn't mean anything other than this was what was always going to happen. The game against the Lakers, the game against the Clippers, the game against the Rockets coming up. Those were always, always going to be losses. They were never going to be anything different than losses. You're playing the best teams in the league right now who are on a playoff run of their you know, playoff hunt of their own for the first, second, third spots in, in their in the in the in the conferences. And it was always going to be that way. Like the game last night shouldn't tell us anything other than the Clippers are better than the Grizzlies. And the Clippers beat the Grizzlies, and that was always going to happen. The same thing with the Lakers. That shouldn't tell us anything other than the Lakers are better than the, the Grizzlies. As they should be. They're the first, they're the, you know, I think the Clippers are the third third place team in the Western Conference. Lakers are first place team in the Western Conference. So don't freak out. Is what I'm saying is you are always going to lose those games. The game that you probably should have, the games you look to is that is disappointing and makes these games hurt a little worse is the Kings game. That's the game you should have won. That's the game that you had a chance to win. And you did some of the same things in these games, which led to the loss. And so that's probably why it feels it hurts more or it feels like it hurts more in terms of the losses against the, the to the Clippers, to the Lakers. And when you lose to the Rockets, it'll feel the same way because 
you had one on the schedule, you thought, okay, that's probably a good win for us. You're probably going to go one and three. That's your best bet. You don't want to go 0 and four. That's the worst you could do, obviously. But maybe you can go one and three and you can talk yourself into with the way the Grizzlies have been playing in January. You can talk yourself into the idea of stealing a game um, on the road against the Lakers or catching one of those guys in a night off. Well, they're the best teams in the league for a reason. A lot of times they just don't have a lot, a lot of nights off. Uh, you see the Clippers have lost a lot of, you know, probably more than they should have, only for the fact that they've been dealing with injuries all year long. They've been resting quiet. They've had injuries to different players. So, like, they have not had their full complement of players until last night. And you saw what they're able to do last night. Their roster from top to bottom, like some of their seven- and eight-man guys that they're playing on the Clippers roster could be starting for the Grizzlies. So, like, let's not pretend and, and kid ourselves like this Grizzlies team was going to compete against the Clippers. That's all I'm saying. It was always going to happen. This is, this is nothing new. It should not concern you at all. What you should concern you is the fact that you see a lot of the same reoccurring things over and over again in these Grizzlies games. Even though the level of competition is different from game to game, you're seeing a lot of the same things over and over again, and that's what should concern you, that those things are not changing. Let's take a quick break. We're going to talk about those things coming up later on in the second segment and the third segment of the show. Welcome back to the show. The, the things that concern you about the Grizzlies are the things that you see on a regular basis that have not changed since the All-Star break or really before the All-Star break. So we're going to take a look at some numbers and why those should concern you. And I tweeted some of these numbers last night, but we're going to get into them a little bit more because while I think that stats are important to see, I think they're important to to, to look at and to, and to go through and it can really give you an idea of what you know, validates what you see on the court. I think you guys should look at the and see what, watch the games with your eyes. Don't look for stats and, and, and then go, you know, tweet, you know, report them and say, hey, this is, this is crazy. Because one stat alone is really like not, I mean, you, you can't have really a lot of one stats without the other. And we'll talk about the head in a minute, but watch the games with your eyeballs and then you can look for those stats to back up what you think you see. I mean, you, you think, okay, this is not happening. This is, these are the things that are not going well. And you look that up and go, oh, well, that makes sense because they're not shooting the three-point ball well or whatever. So let's take a look at some of the stats first. The first thing I tweeted out last night, which I thought was probably the most telling stat of all, is the Grizzlies' ball movement, the assists per game this year, and the league ranking that they had going into uh, from from November. Really kind of when they started playing well, everybody kind of marks some of the November and December games as when Ja Morant came back, when Anthony Milton started playing. But let's take November as well, because I think that game was December the 15th as the, number, as the target date everybody kind of uses as, like, this is what the Grizzlies were doing then and now. All That's how they kind of give their, their stats. But November, they were third in the league in assists per game. December, they were second in the league in assists per game. In January, they were first in the league in assists per game. In the month of February, they're 18th. So that tells you one thing. And that tells you the biggest thing is the ball movement. The, again, this stat is, is telling, and, and, and not that it's not, it's huge because if you look at the league rankings, like the stats and assists per game are like point. It's like, you know, it could be like 24.7 could be the difference, you know, 24.7 and 24.9 could be the difference between 15th and 18th, which again, you can't just, it's hard, uh, you know, to tweet this stat and, and not give some kind of context because there is, there is context behind it. it, it, it 18th is, it could be a matter of, uh, you know, three assists per game or whatever that is. So it's not like 
it's not like a huge number that you're dipping as, as much as the 18th to first seems like it. But what it does tell you is that the Grizzlies ball movement is not what it has been over the year, over the past November, December, January, where they want it to be. Because what happens in assists per game and that in, in getting the ball movement from side to side, you saw this a lot last night. I tweeted this a lot last night. Again, if you're not following me on Twitter at King underscore producer, you should, it's a good follow. You should do that. I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of biased, but what it tells you is the Grizzlies are doing a lot of downhill one-on-one, not a whole lot of ball moving anymore because for the offense to work properly, you have to go through your first set. And then if that set doesn't work, you have to reset and go through your second action. Like you have to go through your actions one, two, three, four. You have to go through them constantly moving and you have to constantly pick and roll. You have to you know, constantly screen for the screener, drive, kick, screen for the screener, drive, kick. That's how this motion offense works. I mean, in the Grizzlies will have one screen, one high screen. You saw it a lot last night. It was It was one of the, you know, prime examples. You saw one high screen, you get into the lane, it didn't work, you kick it back out, and it's a one-on-one matchup for John Moran or Dylan Brooks or whomever, or they toss it into Gorgie, Gorgie Jang into for a post for a post up. And let's be honest, like I I, I think Gorgie Jang's been great this year, but since we've had him, but um that's not the offense. The offense should not be throwing it into Gorgie Jang for a post up. I'm sorry, but that's not what this offense is. It never has been. And the Grizzlies have gotten one action and it hasn't worked. They toss it back out, and it's, then it's a one-on-one. And you look at the Clippers conversely, and it is a action after action after action after action. And finally, they get an open shot, whether that's an open three or whether that's an open uh, under the beat the basket inside the paint, like whatever that is. But what happens is you get that that you you, you have an action, you have a screen, you get into the lane, you, t- you, you, you push it out. If the shot's not there, you, you know, you have another action, you get into the lane. Uh, you kick it out if the if the if the if the shot you're looking for isn't there or you're not open enough, and eventually you keep doing that from side to side. Well, the defense has to move laterally, and it is much more difficult for the defense to keep up with you when they're going from left to right, left to right, over and over again. And what happens eventually is that defense you find a hole in a, a defense where that one person just can't recover enough, or you've made them move back and forth so many times that they eventually cannot recover enough to where you get an open shot. And that's what an assist per game can tell you in terms of the drop-off. And again, that the, the assist per game is probably not a lot in drop-off, but it just tells you what they where they were and now where they were in January and now where they are in February. It's just ball movement. Um, again, it's not just assist per game, but it's the ball movement that allows those assists per game to come. That, to come, you know, those those are those are the things that you're looking for is the actions over and over again because right now. That's not happening, and that's one of the big things they were doing earlier in the year is they were constantly getting action after action and constantly getting people open. That's the biggest thing for the Grizzlies is is ball movement over and over again, but that also those, those assists per game numbers also leads to your shooting, and the biggest thing for the Grizzlies is that everybody talks about is Dylan Brooks. Now, Dylan Brooks' shooting is um, is not great this in February, and that's one of the biggest drop-offs for the Grizzlies playmaking off the wing, obviously, is starting in your starting unit. November 35% shooting for Dylan Brooks. December 35% shooting from three for Dylan Brooks. January 45% from three for Dylan Brooks. February 18% for Dylan Brooks. That's terrible. Obviously, people like to coincide this with his signing his contract. And let's be real honest. If 
Dylan Brooks is, is there's no way Dylan Brooks has got a contract and was, and was like, all right, never mind. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make any more shots. That's not how it works. It, people go through shooting slumps. Obviously, this is a big shooting slump for the Grizzlies and a big shooting slump for Dylan Brooks. But what happens again? You going back to the assists per game, the ball movement. It's not just tied to Dylan Brooks. You see a lot of Dylan Brooks right now are are contested threes. So the more movement you get in your ball mood in your offense, the more open threes you get. And the Grizzlies aren't really taking that many threes as they as, as not as many as they were in January and December. And in February, the, the the amount of threes they've taken have gone down. Uh, clearly, so if you're not taking them, you can't make them. So the amount of threes they're taking has gone down. The amount of uh, made threes they've taken has gone down. So yeah, what I'm trying to say is Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies three-point shooting, they're all tied to one another. So like you can't just cherry-pick one stat and say, okay, Dylan Brooks needs to shoot more, or Dylan Brooks needs to make more three-pointers. And that's true, yes. Or the Grizzlies need to have the more assists per game. That's true, yes. But it all comes in relation to each other. It's not like you just go out and say, okay, I'm just going to take more threes. And you can take more threes if you want, but those are going to be contested threes and not going to be good threes in within the offense. We've talked about on the show before, Dylan Brooks playing within the offense, and that's what you want him to do. But the Grizzlies have to get back to the offense they were using in January and December. It, it is clearly not what they were doing earlier on in the year. And Dylan Brooks, does he have to be better? Yes, because he has a lot of open shots that are there that he's made before that he's just not making now. And that's one of the bigger issues obviously is scoring from the wing and the Grizzlies just don't have it right now. Dylan Brooks is just not good right now. And that's the problem. Unfortunately, when you get into, uh, you, you have a lot of starters and you get into that scoring is an issue. Let's take a quick, quick break. We'll continue this conversation about how the Grizzlies can get back on the right side of things with their offense. Welcome back to the show again. I just want to pick up right where we left off. I had to take a quick break because I was kind of behind but the Grizzlies' three-point shooting and offense goes hand-in-hand hand with everything that they do before. It's everything we talked about in that last segment. But Dylan Brooks got to be better. Jonas Valanciunas got to be better. There are a lot of shots last night. They're just open shots. And there's nothing that's connected to that other than you just got to make them. Those are, the, those are the only things, like, you know, I kind of split it up in two categories. Yes, there are, doing, there are a lot of things that they're doing I think they can fix in terms of the offense and the way it's running. Um and that's there again those all things are related in different ways and the other side of that thing there are a lot of points in the paint that are super easy shots you just got to make and and you saw a lot of this last night last night they got a lot of chances early on in the game in the in the, in the first quarter they got a lot of chances at the rim and they just didn't make them and you're going to have games like that but they feel like they've had a lot of games like that and so Jonas Valanciunas hasn't been good, hasn't been good around the rim, hasn't been good um, really at all. And same thing for Dylan Brooks. So you have several starters in the in the starting lineup, you know, Dylan Brooks and Jonas Valanciunas mainly, who are just not shooting the ball or just not scoring the basketball. And, you know, you, you take out Jay Crowder, you put in Kyle Anderson, who is not really a shooter, and you combine that with... Dylan Brooks and Jonas Valanciunas who aren't really making a lot and even going back to Jaron Jackson Jr. he had a good game before he got hurt but going back to Jaron Jackson Jr. before the all-star break you combine him with his not his kind of shooting slump as well not shooting the three ball as well he's he had in, in January um, 
you know, it, it, it gets a little more glaring. Like you start to look and go, okay, well, you gotta, you gotta take Kyle Anderson out because he's, he's not spacing the floor correctly. And that's not the truth. The truth is that Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson Jr. are not hitting the threes like they were in the, at the clip in January. Jonas Valanciunas is not cleaning up the basketball like he was in January and rebounding the ball well enough to get it back on offensive rebounds and putbacks and making the shots around the rim like he was. All those combined is a recipe for disaster, which is exactly what's happening right now with the Grizzlies. It's not like, it's not one thing that you can just fix. It's not one thing you can point to and say, this is, got, this is what it is. Because it's it kind of all snowballed and is all happening all at the same time. Because quite frankly, you can get through Dylan Brooks' shooting slump if Jaron Jackson Jr. is still scoring the basketball. If Jonas Valanciunas is still I mean, you can get through those things because it always happens to every team. Everybody gets through those shooting, everybody gets shooting slumps. You, you're not going to go through the year and be awesome and shoot 45% the entire year. It's just not it's just not going to happen. So every team, every player goes through those things and you can and you can get through them, but not when every not when three of your five starters are having bad shooting nights on a nightly basis. It's just not going to work. So it makes the um it puts more pressure on John Morant, which he feels I mean again, he he I would like to see him be more active and aggressive in the first quarter than he has been. But it puts more pressure on him to do more. It it makes you put shine a light on Kyle Anderson, who's not really the scoring that you you know he's more of a ball handling facilitator. So you put you you shine the spotlight on Kyle Anderson, and that's really not that's really not the issue. Again, the issue is you had three guys in your starting lineup who were, quite frankly, Dylan Brooks and Jaron Jackson Jr. lighting it up in January and, and December and playing really really good basketball, and they fell off a cliff in February. And same thing with Jonas Valanciunas, he just not—he's not where he needs to be as either. So, it is a lot of different things that are happening at once. But I think the Grizzlies—the the easiest way you get out of this—and and here's why we get to the point where how do we fix it? And the easiest way to get out of this for me and for the Grizzlies is to run. The Grizzlies have the one thing they can do all the time, and that is run. That is push the pace as fast as they can. If they score, get the ball, take the ball out. And go as fast as you can. Get try to get buckets. Try to get easy buckets before they set up in the paint. That is the easiest way they can. That's the path. That's the path out here. That's how you get. You start to shoot, see shots go in. You start to feel shots. You know, go in as a shooter. Then you start to get back on the right side of things. You always say like shoot. You always hear that people say, oh, well, you need you know a shooter just needs, needs to see one go in. And that's kind of true. I mean, once you got, once you feel it and you're, you kind of get hot, that's kind of how it works. You, you feel it in your wrist and you just know that shots are going to go in at that point. And so you get some of your confidence back. And that's the point. That's how you get, that's how you go forward for the Grizzlies is running. You saw this in a little bit of a spurt last night. The Grizzlies started to run. They started getting out in transition. Josh Jackson was out there running. Like they were playing super small and playing super athletic. And I think that's the path out is Jonas Valanciunas has to go to the bench. And you got to go super small. If if Brandon Clark is out for any significant amount of time, I would I would seriously consider I would put Josh Jackson in a starting lineup. I would really consider actually putting John Morant, Dylan, DeAnthony Melton, and Josh Jackson in the lineup. Like that's what I would do, and put either Gorgie Jang at the five and bring Jonas Valanciunas off the off the uh, off the bench. Like I would consider a very serious, very small lineup to run. And be as fast as possible. Like if you if you know you just can't compete with their bigs and Jonas Valanciunas is, is not playing well, just go to the exact opposite. Do the Houston route, Houston Rockets route, and not even play center. Just go as small as you can, run as fast as you can, put the pace as much as you can, and then you'll get easy transition buckets 
you'll start to get back on the right side. I mean, that's how you lead and get out of this path. I think the Grizzlies have to continue to push the pace. We saw even a little bit of a sample size last night against the Clippers. When they do that, and the Grizzlies are going and their offense is clicking, if you look at what they're doing, they're running up and down the court. Like there's, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence. That is how this offense is predicated. It's predicated on fast break offense and making threes. I've said that all year long. That's what Taylor Jenkins' offense is. So that's the path out for the Grizzlies. That's how they get there. They got to start running. They just got to start being faster. And and quite frankly, I think that there's some changes that need to be made in the starting lineup. I think they're big changes. And I think the changes need to be made to go very small, especially while Jaron Jackson's out until he comes back. I think that's that's the path forward for the Grizzlies. I appreciate you guys taking a listen today for the for the podcast. If you're not already podcast subscribers, go subscribe to whatever podcast platform you're using. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at King underscore producer. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Grizz. That's where they continue the conversation after the show.